Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The, the national news here, here in the States just was very biased. And, you know, the, 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 the reporters kind of just didn't, didn't do their homework. They, they bought into this, these ideas um, and, and that it was easy. As someone says in the film, you know, if you wanted to do a story on crack, you just, you know, sent the reporter down to Martin Luther King Avenue, which there's a Martin Luther King Avenue, for those who don't know, in every single city in the United States. And in every single city in the United States, it runs through a black neighborhood, you know, if you, you know, Martin Luther King, and they would send their reporters down to Martin Luther King and they would take, you know, shots of young guys standing out on the street. And, you know, they would say, here's the crack epidemic here. Here it is. Let's have a conversation with Stanley Nelson. He is the director of the amazing new film, Crack, Cocaine, Corruption and Conspiracy. It's on Netflix and you've got to watch it. It delves into everything we think we know about the 80s crack epidemic. And we use the word epidemic in quotation marks throughout this podcast. And you'll see why. So yeah, let's have a conversation with Stanley Nelson. This is Scoobies Pips Distraction Pieces Network, brought to you by Acast in association with Leap and Leap UK. Let's get into this. Here we go. Behind your barricades. Yeah, but how long can I stay? Behind your barricades. Where true values seldom stray. Thank you so much for joining us. And yes, we're going to go straight into this with Stanley Nelson. As I said, the director of the brilliant new film, Crack, Cocaine, Corruption and Conspiracy. It's one of those films that you've got to watch. And not only that, you've got to pass on to the next person to watch and the next person and the next person. Because these are all the themes that we need to discuss within drug policy. And as ever, this show is produced in association with Leap and Leap UK. So that's Law Enforcement Action Partnership. Go and find us on social media on both sides of the Atlantic. And let's keep these conversations going. So thank you so much, Stanley Nelson from Firelight Media for joining us. Go watch the film on Netflix and let's have this chat. Well, where do we start with this? And this is going to be my first question to you, Stanley, is how on earth did you go about deconstructing this whole issue with regards to crack? Let's just give it its full title. Crack, cocaine, corruption and conspiracy. Where do we start on this? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that in one way we really started with the uh, 
you know, at ground level with the the users and and the community people that were affected by it, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, with the um, uh, dealers, and and really wanted to 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 get them first, and then kind of built from there, you know, um, with law enforcement, with politicians, uh, with the federal government, you know, the international piece of it, uh, the Iran Contra piece, um, but but really we wanted to make sure that we talk to people on the ground level, people who whose lives were, were in many ways ruined um, by the whole crack epidemic. This is the thing with, with the crack epidemic, is that once you start pulling away at one string, there's so much that comes down. And as you said, the, the sprawling nature of this subject is so huge that not only do we tackle the domestic issues with, with regards to, as we say, the, you know, the ghetto and, and things like that, which is you know a hideous term in itself, but what we're doing with internationally so to start with when did you i mean you've lived through that with through that era so you mentioned uh in the film that you saw traffic lines getting queued up just like a you know a drive-through to buy a crack so what was it like experiencing that firsthand uh, you know, the the 80s and, and, and early 90s, you know, here in New York City and so many other places in the United States was just, you know, unreal. It was surreal, you know, because at first, um, you know, the police did nothing to stop it so that, uh, you know, th- there were dealers, you know, there, there were whole blocks <clears throat> that were just devoted to crack and cocaine. Uh, you know, you couldn't walk through the block. Um, your cars were lined up, um, you know, to, to, to buy crack. They, people would come from, you know, the suburbs and surrounding areas to buy crack. You know, you, 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 it was just right in your face. You did not have to be, you know, Sherlock Holmes to find, uh, to, to discover crack and discover the dealers it was it was just everywhere you know um people um had you know these these locks that they put on their cars you know that so you couldn't move the steering wheel <clears throat> they they had radios that, that you would pull out of the car you know to take with you so that you couldn't leave your radio they would put signs in their car windows you know no radio <clears throat> and finally the 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 worst that I ever saw were, you know, that were, were removable steering wheels. So you could remove your steering wheel and take it with you. Um, so that, that you know, make your car the hardest one on the block to steal. And you make a really good point in the film that in the 80s, when, when the crap epidemic was, was getting media prominence, there was another drug as well. Well, it was the same drug, it was cocaine. It was powder cocaine. So what was the reason in your opinion and and you do discuss this in the film that there's such a discrepancy on how the media and society dealt with crack cocaine and how it dealt with powder cocaine well you know like i said at first uh you know the the crack the whole crack epidemic was was kind of ignored you know it just was kind of let go and then once the media and politicians kind of you know uh, glommed onto it you know uh, uh it became a big big issue with them um it, it was it was decided by by politicians that uh you know cocaine was the drug that was used by middle class people and you know was not out there in your face and crack was used by uh you know people in the quote again ghetto and that that uh you know they they were robbing and stealing to get money uh to to buy crack so uh finally they they passed a law and you know the same uh, sentence mandatory sentence was 
uh, handed down to people who had five grams of crack, um, to people that had 500 grams of cocaine. And so, you know, um, you have to understand what five grams look like. Five grams is like, you know, um, you know, five sugar packets, you know, like, like you get in a coffee shop and you can easily put it in your pocket. And, and you know, it's not it's not like you're a, a seller of crack. It's like you're a user. So, you you know, and you got mandatory sentences, which means that, you know, judges had no discretion. Um, you know, if you it was a first offense, you got a certain sentence. If it was a second, it was a third. And, you know, you know up to, you know, 15 to 15 or more years uh, for possession of small amounts of crack. You really do get across the, the human interest of this, this story within the film. And there's so many emotional tales and the discrepancy that goes on with, with powder and crack. At what point in your mind, was it during the filming process or was it during your life that you realised you started piecing this together of this is more than just a drug issue, this is a societal issue? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that um, you know, we started piecing it together, you know, back there in the in the kind of crack era. And, and you know, it, it really became apparent that, that we could look at this, um, you know, in the last couple of years, you know, through the lens of time that, that really, you know, we could look at it much more rationally than it was looked at, you know, back then. And, and so many things have come together and, and we understand them, you know, uh, based on, uh, you know, the crack epidemic and the crack era. Um, you know, finally, you know, um, there was, you know, the war on drugs. And, and this was a huge thing in the United States. You know, it was called the war on drugs. And it was not only the, the discrepancy in sentences for crack and for powdered cocaine, but also, you know, these long sentences, uh, the militarization of police where we see the police, you know, carrying, you know, huge automatic weapons. You know, usually, you know, we thought of the cop on the beat, you know, swinging a baton, you know, and walking the streets, you know, um, and now, you know, they look like something out of Star Wars, you know, with the armor and, and the tanks and, and, and the automatic weapons. I'm glad you said that, that there's literal tanks. We're in the footage that you've managed to get of literal tanks around raiding buildings. As you said, this is the, the epicentre of where the militarisation started. So in your opinion, I'd imagine it is so, but the war on drugs, is that why we've now got the issues that we're dealing with now with regards to the real... Yeah, the real disconnect between the police and society. I mean, it, it, it's it's a big part. It just, you know, I, I think there was always kind of a disconnect, but it just really heightened that and and made cops, you know, think of themselves as as the military instead of you know people that patrol the community and you know that that now there it is like an invading force and you know we show them you know knocking down doors and you know you know. Uh, uh, piling out of out of you know uh, personnel carriers and and just you know crazy stuff um and you know the incarceration rate here in the United States just goes nuts you know um you know more and more people are incarcerated more and more people you know get longer and longer sentences um and one thing that I should say is is that you know they weren't people weren't offered treatment you know that 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 this was the only solution the only solution was uh, a a policing solution and, uh, you know, putting and locking people up and throwing away the key. We interview one woman in, in the film who talks about being uh, arrested for possession of crack five times and going to jail five times. And never is she offered treatment. She's not, she never goes to jail for committing a crime other than having crack on her person. And obviously she had a drug problem, uh, not a criminal problem. 
I think you do a really good job of highlighting the distrust that goes with society and not just the the police, but also the medical profession. Because you, you highlight a, a, a case as well of a woman that was very honest with her doctor, said she needed help, and then she ended up in prison and didn't get any help. How, how do we go about addressing that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that that's one of the great stories we tell in the film because we talked to this woman who was actually the first person that was convicted of, of, uh, of de- dealing crack to her, her uh, unborn fetus. And, so, and what they accused her of was, was in the 30 seconds when the baby is born and before the umbilical cord is cut. In that 30 seconds, she's... Um, dealing drugs from her bloodstream to the baby's bloodstream and she actually at first is 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 convicted of 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 dealing drugs to to her own baby um but as you said um you know she she was really an interesting person because you know before that she as she's pregnant she tells her doctor that you know she has a drug problem you know and she's trying to seek help she tells her doctor that she has a drug problem and her doctor calls the police and that's why she's in custody uh, when she gives birth and that's why uh, she's accused of, of, of dealing drugs to her baby. The, the interviewees that you've got on the film are, are just brilliant. Not only have you got investigative journalists, you've got Dr. Carl Hart, a scientist, you've got the personal tales as well. And the emotions that, that cross over, I've never seen Dr. Carl Hart as emotional as what he was in your film. And a lot of it evolves around only his personal experience, but also the fact that he's his job is to to disentangle the 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 confusion that goes on with science, and that's one of the things that definitely comes across in the film is that we have no idea with science, and the crack babies is is one of them, and I use that in in quotation marks. You give a, quite a portion of the film to crack babies. Can you give a little bit of an overview of that whole portion? Because I think it's genuinely fascinating to the people that don't necessarily understand this discussion. Sure. As, as the press and politicians latched on to the crack epidemic, you know, that, that uh, you know, uh, this, there was nobody who was, who was uh, you know, uh, lobbying against them. There was nobody who was supporting, you know, uh, crack addicts. So they just go wild. And, and one of the ways they go wild is to talk about, you know, crack babies and crack mamas. And, and you know, there's this narrative where at one point, you know, we have a clip where they're saying that 100,000 crack babies are going to be born in New York City alone and overwhelm the school system and they're going to be brain damaged for life. And, you know, and that's the narrative that went out. That was the narrative that went out in uh, in print news. That was the narrative that went out in TV news. That was the narrative that, that went out. And, you know, we have people in, in the film, uh, Carl Hart and, and others who say, you know, that 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 it was just bunk. It was really uh, uh, perpetrated by by one doctor and one study that was really flawed, you know, about about how many babies would be affected and and actually the effect on 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 babies. So you know that became a kind of a stereotype and a phrase, you know, crack babies, crack babies, crack babies, and uh, you know we have a, a montage of, of clips from from the news where you know they're they're constantly talking about this thing that never really happened and never really was the overlaps are just incredible and you mentioned that the media played such a role in it so from your perspective as a filmmaker now um what do you think of the media that we still get in today with the war on drugs and black lives matter 
as it regards to the same kind of parallel principles as what we were seeing then with disinformation? Does it kind of correspond in your mind that there's still the same rhetorics and narratives that are coming out? I, I think that, you know, the, the media played a, a huge part, you know, they, they kind of weren't doing their, their homework and, and, you know, the, um, the, the national news here, here in the States just was very biased. And, you know, the, 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 the reporters kind of just didn't, didn't do their homework. They, they bought into this, these ideas, um, and, and that it was easy. As someone says in the film, you know, if you wanted to do a story on crack, you just, you know, sent the reporter down to Martin Luther King Avenue, which there's a Martin Luther King Avenue, for those who don't know, in every single city in the United States. And every single city in the United States, it runs through a black neighborhood, you know, if you, you know, Martin Luther King, and they would send their reporters down to Martin Luther King and they would take, you know, shots of young guys standing out on the street and, you know, they would say, here's the crack epidemic here, here it is. And, and that's, you know, what happened over and over again. So I, I think, you know, the, 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 the press, um, you know, just really let, let the public down if, if you believe that, that the press's real mission and duty should be to serve uh, the public. And as you said, there's no one lobbying for someone that's that's addicted to crack or something like that. And the, the you do the film in chapters, um, so we do the domestic story, and then, as we've just alluded to just a moment ago, the international story is just mind-boggling in its own in its own right. This is the Reagan era. So again, can you give a brief overview without giving too much away? Because I, I really want people to watch this film of what that international picture is. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was during what was called what's called, you know, now looking back, you know, the Iran Contra affair, and and um, so so Ronald Reagan wanted to support uh, rebels against the the, the leftist uh, socialist government in Nicaragua, um, and finally Congress said, you know, we're not going to pay for 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 your kind of dirty war down there. We're not going to we're not going to pay. We're we're going to cut off funding. So the Reagan White House Reagan government. Uh, came upon a scheme to um, uh, sell weapons to Iran and then take the money from sales of weapons to Iran and funnel it to Nicaragua. But while they did this, they they got in bed with a whole bunch of kind of a really criminal type 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 people, you know, really, you know, bad folks. And and uh, you know, they said, to, you know, to themselves, well. Uh, you know, we're in Nicaragua, we got a bunch of empty planes, you know, let's load them up with cocaine and fly them back to the United States. You know, and, and you know, there's been a lot of debate about whether, you know, the Reagan government helped them, you know, um, really supported them or just turned their back on them and just turned their back and let them do it. But at the very least, the Reagan government turned, just let them do it and, and you know, knew what was going on and didn't stop them because the Reagan government was much more concerned with fighting a war in Nicaragua against the legitimate government in Nicaragua than keeping cocaine off the streets of the United States. And so if cocaine floods into the United States, that's one of the, the, the couple of different reasons, but cocaine floods into the United States and becomes cheaper uh, and then leads to, uh, you know, the, the ability to cook it up and down to a, its pure form uh, and then they start calling it crack. At what point did you decide that you wanted to take a look at this subject and make it into a film? Was it the fact that you did live through it or was it 
things since then that has, has led you to, to well, I'd imagine you was compelled to make this film with, with just how passionate it comes across. Yeah, I, I think that I, I, I've always been, you know, uh, interested in, in in kind of the the drug uh, culture and drug economy and, and, and different drugs. Uh, I did a film a long time ago about methadone, the methadone maintenance program in the United States, um, and did a couple of films about uh, the the, the uh, drug problem or, or you know drugs in the United States uh, when I worked for Bill Moyers, um, but I you know I, I I really had the chance to make this film about about crack and, and really kind of jumped at it because I thought it was really time that, that that we looked back you know and and that we we look back with really clear eyes on on you know what was really devastating uh, to so many people and what changed you know finally so many things about the United States. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Given how big and vast the subject matter is, and as I said, you've done it in chapters, was it, was it a, a headache to trying to get it into a narrative that people can understand, given it is so vast? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think in, in some ways, you know, it, 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 was, it, was a, it was more not a headache. It was more of a puzzle, you know, that, 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 that we had to kind of put together the, the different pieces. And we came up with a chapter structure because, you know, it was almost like it was in chapters, you know, that, that, that there was you know, cocaine that, that was in clubs and people were sniffing cocaine and it was really cool. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was something that people did. And then, you know, it kind of morphs into crack and then, you know, the, you know, it, it, uh, young people in, 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 especially the inner cities feel like that as one person said, it's a gold rush, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden you can make some money. And so, and sell crack and then the government involvement and then leads to militarization and, and other things. So I think it naturally um, kind of lent itself to be, the, the story lent itself to being told in chapters. And uh, that's how we came up with the chapter structure. What's the reaction been like uh, to the film? What, what kind of uh, feedback have you had from it? 
Uh, we've had incredible feedback, you know. I mean, I, I think that, that uh, you know, people have, have really um, seen it as an eye-opener. Especially, you know, I mean, I, well, what's, what's not surprising, but, you know, it's kind of interesting is really, especially young people, you know, people who weren't around then, you know, because, you know, they kind of have heard the term, you know, they've heard the term crack epidemic, crack era, you know, crack babies, crack mama, you know, and, and, and you know, they, we, we kind of let you see in the film how those things evolved. Um, and so I think that, that uh, you know, um, the reaction has been amazing. And, you know, I've got a, a lot of, you know, texts and email from, from young people, from, you know, my kids, uh, friends and, you know, that, uh, you know, that, that it was a real eye opener for them. I'm almost reluctant to say the word uh, crack epidemic. And it's, it is caveated in the film because as much as we are talking in those terms, we, we, we are talking more in terms of poverty and lack of opportunity. And it's certainly addressed in the film. So are we getting any closer to addressing those things or we, do we still lateral the ball to the, to, to the drug itself? Um, I, I mean, I, I think that that you know um, that 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 crack as 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 a drug and kind of as an epidemic, you know, as an era has faded, you know. But you know, we've got into another era of you know um, uh, you know heroin and heroin substitutes, um, and and that's you know, I mean, we say a little bit about this in the film that that's kind of being handled in a different way, you know, where it's always talked about as a health problem, you know, not as a chemical problem. And I, you know, I, I think that, that I, I would say that, that a lot of it is because of who, who's using, uh, drugs these days, you know, that, that it's not black and brown people. It's mainly white folks who, who are, you know, becoming addicted to, uh, opioids and, you know, and it's thought of in a very different way than, um, you know, the, the crack epidemic before that. There's certainly a standout quote in the film from uh, a congressman that said, with regards to the heavy-handed nature of sentencing, as you said, the mandatory minimums, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Um, <laughs> looking back, surely it's not. Surely we've, we've got to learn from what's gone on in that era, surely. I mean, yeah, you know, Charles Rangel says that, who's a congressman, who was a congressman from New York, who, you know, I mean, you know, he served, I, I, I don't know the exact, but like 50 years or 40 years. I mean, you know, he's not just, you know, any congressman. He's just, you know, he, he's, you know, famous. And, and, and I think that, that, you know, he's really looking back on it and, and you know, uh, regretting some of the things that, that happened, you know. Um, and, you know, he said, well, I, you know, I guess it's just seemed like a good idea at the time. I, I think it's really fascinating, too, that that we talk about how, uh, you know, black politicians and also black clergy and black community people, you know, uh, it got so bad that all of them were calling, you know, for for anything to, to end, you know, the, 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 this influx of crack into the communities. You know, I mean, it's amazing that we have we have marches in the film where people uh, black folks are marching to try to get more police in their neighborhood, you know, and if you think about, uh, you know, what's happening today, in the United States, you never have that. You couldn't imagine black people saying, oh, we, oh, we need we need more police. But they actually black people are actually doing that. Um, clergy were, were, were saying that politicians were saying that, that, you know, we need more police in, in the community because we've got to do something to stop this. Uh, that's how bad it got. 
presumably as, as a filmmaker, someone that's distributing information, that part of it, because I was going to bring that part up, that is, is so interesting, the fact that black communities were trying to self-police, trying to stop the crack influx. Is it just the media and information issue that once we understand it is about poverty, it is about lack of opportunity, we might actually start to do things better and we might actually progress in this day and age? Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I think so. I mean, you know, it, it it's... um. You know, it, it, it's it's you know who 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 are the people who have power and who are the people that have power to make change. I mean, I think that's that's part of the problem. And, and in so many of uh, uh, black and brown communities, you know, um, we don't have the power to make change, and we didn't have the, the power to make change. Um, you know, the film starts off, you know, with, with Reagan. Uh, accepting the nomination and you know it's an amazing clip when he accepts the nomination he says you know i accept this nomination and we will make america great again you know um which trump you know echoed um you know that's what he's talking about and then you know two years into his administration you know unemployment is at an all-time high especially in the black community uh you know welfare people are being cut off welfare school programs are being cut off so when crack gets introduced you know it's at a real low point there's no money um and no industry in so many black and brown communities and um, again, you know, crack is looked at as a gold rush, you know, in, in, in the hood, you know, a way to make, make money. And, and at first, a way to make money with no consequences. I think, you know, it's really important that we, that we understand that the film ends, you know, where we revisit the, the people who, who were using crack and the people who were selling crack and their lives are devastated. You know, Samson Stiles, who says that, you know, um, it's a gold rush to the hood, ends up, you know, getting shot five times and spending two terms in jail. Um, you know, um, the people, you know, who are, who are on crack are still suffering today uh, in, in many ways. So, um, you know, what was thought of as a gold rush to the hood and, and you know, a free for all, you know, ends up, uh, you know, uh, with the community devastated. Um, so thank you so much for joining me, Stanley. Uh, I could speak to you for hours. Um, so going forward, what what can we do with this film? How can we get it out there to the to the ears that need to listen? You know, what would be your advice? Uh, tell all your friends. You know, one of the great things about about this film is it's it's on Netflix. It's the first film that I've done for Netflix, and you know, it, it it's 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 always on. You know, it, it, and you know, it, it's not like you know we premiere it and it goes away. It, it, it's on. You can watch it. It's 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 just as relevant, you know, today as as two weeks ago when, when it was first released. So you know, please just 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 let people know. Um, you know, I I think that. Uh, you know, it, it's it's not only an important film, but it's it's also a very entertaining film. Thank you so much for joining us, Stanley, and I hope the UK watch this because they need to learn as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on that conversation, Stanley. So needed. And get on Netflix, watch the film, watch Crack, and share it on social media. That's what we need to do with these with these films. We need to make sure we contextualise the issue and make people watch. And thank you to Firelight Media for producing the film and also coordinating that conversation with Stanley. All your help is really appreciated. And you're, if you're interested in the work of Law Enforcement Action Partnership, LEAP, then we're active all around the world, but perhaps most in the UK and North America. So in the UK, we're at UKLEAP.org on our Facebook and website, and our Twitter and Instagram is UKLEAP. And... 
in North America. The Twitter is Police for Reform and the website is lawenforcementactionpartnership.org. Please get involved, share, subscribe, all those things. And a few thank yous. Thank you so much to the producers of the show, Nikki, Tristan, John. Thank you for all you do. Thank you to John Harris at the Distraction Pieces Network. Thank you to My Name Is Ad for the artwork you do. And thank you to Johnny Borrell for the theme music. Right, on that note, there's so, so much more to come from Stop and Search. Make sure you subscribe, tune in and all those things. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Bye. Behind your barricades Yeah, but how long can I stay Behind your barricades Where two lives seldom stray Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.